This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. With me in the studio today is Tiffany Bond. Welcome, Tiffany Bond. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And uh, for the audience's sake, if you're hearing some banging going on, it's because we have some wonderfully exciting construction in the city of Portland, which is where you live. Is that right? That is correct. So it's interesting that you live and lived in Portland when you ran for the second congressional district race in 2016 and and lost and are you thinking now of running against Susan Collins? I'm open to the possibility. Okay. <laughs> and it, it sounds a little funny to say that like um, I didn't have any connections. I work about half the time out in the second congressional district so and we've been off and on um, seeking a nice place on a lake but if you live in Maine the places on the lake are very difficult to finance. Yes they certainly are. So were you accused during the campaign of carpetbagging or was it not so much an issue? No I think there were a couple people who seemed to care about it but they weren't actually mostly who lived in the second congressional district. I, I'm out there a lot. I mean a lot. I have cases in Rumford and Skowhegan and Millinocket and Bangor. Like, I'm out there a lot. So because I am out there and I do genuinely work out there and I have for years, I I don't think a lot of people took that um, as if I were trying to be something I'm not. I was also very transparent about it. What what is it about running for Congress and, and perhaps now running for the United States Senate that appeals to you, given that, as far as I could tell, you don't have any experience legislating or lawmaking? Is that right? Well, I've been an appointed official before. So before... Tell me about that. <laughs> so I was um, pretty engaged in my community before I moved out to the East Coast. I was a Parks and Recreation Commissioner. I sat on several boards. And Where was this? In a little town called Woodenville, Washington. So if you drink wine, it's a uh, wine and agritourism hub. Great. That sounds nice. It's it's enchanting and delightful. It was, it was a really great place to live. Um, but when I decided I wanted to go to law school, I realized I was so engaged in my community that it would just not be compatible with that lifestyle. So I disengaged and I moved to the East Coast for law school. When did you graduate from law school? So I um, moved out here and I moved to Maine in 2011. I um, graduated in 2012 and I um, took the bar in 2013. And you practice family law out of your home, is that right? Uh, Yeah, I have an office space, but predominantly out of my home. It's more comfortable for me. Married with two kids? Yep. Married to a man? Yes. Okay, and do you have a religious affiliation? I don't discuss my personal beliefs with that. Why? Well, I think that it's really important to be able to separate that, whether it's for my job in family law or whether it's for legislation. What's important and personal to me is very different, I think, than what the law should be. The law needs to be something that's permissive and allows people those freedoms, and I don't try to inject myself into that. So do you see yourself as like, is your understanding of the reason why you're here is because you're running for something again? Like, is that your role now when you're out talking, you're always run speaking as a candidate? I've actually never been somebody who thought I'm going to run for office. Um, my motivation last year was unexpected. Okay, but you are, what I'm just trying to get to this idea that you're not going to talk about your personal beliefs. My I'm religious beliefs. So, I, I think oh, that, your religious beliefs? Uh, yeah, you asked about religion specifically. Yeah. And I, I try to keep religion out of both my lawyering and any politics that I might do because I, I think that it's not my job to impose that on other people. 
Okay, I didn't mean to impose it. I was simply wondering if you connected or identified with a religious organization, uh, whether you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, um, whatever. Um, but if you don't care to share that, do you have any interest in um, running against Jared Golden? I don't think so. Okay. Now, he hasn't been in office long enough for me to have an opinion about that. Mm -hmm. When you were working as the Parks Commissioner, in the small town that you earlier identified, or what was commissioner? I was, was so I was on a parks commission. I oh. was a commissioner, but not the paid commissioner. I was a board of commissioners. Was it a partisan position? It was not. Okay. Have you ever served in a partisan office as a Republican or a Democrat? I don't know if I would call it serve in a partisan office. I, I did have a role with um, the Young Republican Federation of Washington State when I was in my late teens, early 20s, long time ago. Um, but I left that party a long time ago. What, um, you left the Republican Party? I did. When? Um, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you the exact date. I think I just started drifting away when my philosophical beliefs didn't really align that well with the party anymore. Well. For, I was changing and they changed. Yeah, for a point of reference to me is the um, 2008 presidential campaign Way between Barack that. Obama and, Mitt, and and John McCain. Did you, who did you vote for? Um, I voted for McCain in that election, I believe. What about um, Obama versus Romney? I voted for Romney. Okay, so is it fair to say then that oh, actually, you used to be a Republican and you voted Republican, so you have some Republican inclinations? I voted for Romney, and before that I voted for Nader. Okay, so you did, did not, not vote I, for no, McCain? I didn't, no, I, did, I considered voting for him, but I did not care for his vice presidential candidate. Sarah Palin. Yes. Okay. She's not my cup of tea. Okay, so what is it about the Republican Party um, that you disliked when you left the party? I felt, well... Um, I felt like I didn't like being held to a party standard, and I felt like the party standard was shifting to a place where I didn't belong. Um, it was also a little bit uncomfortable to me. I was younger and more attractive, and there was um, a culture that I did not find uncomfortable at events. The reason why I'm asking about this is because I was curious if you are looking towards a future election why you wouldn't consider perhaps running in a primary against Senator Collins as opposed to running as an independent, or if you, if your political leanings were going in the other direction, run as a Democrat and then take advantage of, um, I'm very sorry about that, take advantage of all the money that's allegedly being offered to a Democratic challenger. I don't want money. Okay. <laughs> What about the Republican primary idea? I'm I, I'm just not interested in joining a party that I am not philosophically aligned with. And I don't feel like I am fully philosophically aligned with either party. So there's parts of me that sound very Republican. Do you believe in science? Yes. Okay. And so, and math, I presume? Yes. Okay. Now, what do you think the odds are of you winning a, a race against Susan Collins without raising any money? Well, it's not that I don't think that money's involved. It's that I don't think that I should be touching it. Um, I have a completely different philosophical perspective on how elections should work. I think a lot of people spend their time with how elections do work, and that's completely pragmatic, right? But I like to look at things how they should be, and so I am a big fan of living your message. 
and I think it's very important to do so. Um, so I think the resources belong in the community. The statistic that I most recently saw with the race that I was last in was that it was I think $31 million spent on that race. $31 million could do amazing things for Maine, but it was a lot of it was just squandered. Well, I accept that there's some serious concerns about the money in politics, but do you, do you think that you, you don't need money to win? You don't want money to win? I'm trying to understand, like, do you want to win? And do you think you can win without so raising I, any money? It just seems absolutely impossible. So I'm trying to get at, what are you trying to make a point? or? So have you seen main raising? I've, yes. Okay, so instead of fundraising, I want to do main raising, which is okay, why I said. Okay, but is there any evidence that would ever lead to an actual electoral victory? Well, no, because nobody's tried it before. Okay. I tried it in a very limited capacity in the 2nd Congressional District, but that was very logistically challenging. The 2nd Congressional District has 375 towns. So saying, please buy anything anywhere in Maine is a lot easier than saying, please buy anything from one of these 375 municipalities. It's very logistically hard to to make that happen. I, I think if you tell people... I'd like you to take the same amount of money you would give to me, and instead of giving it to me, give it back to the community. Go buy something from a small business. Go give it to a charity that's a a great organization. And tell the person who you're buying from or donating to that I wouldn't take the money, so I ask that you please spend that same amount. Wow, that's asking a lot of voters, but okay. All right, well, let's move on. Um, Have you filed your taxes yet? This year, no. No? <laughs> Are you planning on filing your taxes? Yes, I am planning on filing taxes. Okay. Do you have any um, expectation about how the new Republican tax plan is going to impact your family and your family's tax returns? Um, I would anticipate that I would pay slightly more taxes. I was fairly adamantly against the Republican tax plan, and I was fairly vocal about that at the time and have been since. So um, what does your husband do for work? My husband is currently a stay-at-home dad. He, he does do some um, part-time on-call work, but predominantly he stays home with their boys. And you have amassed quite a following on Twitter. I think uh, last time I checked, there was like 28.7 thousand followers on Twitter of Tiffany Bond. Is that right? Twitter has been very kind to me. Okay. How is it that you accumulated so many followers? Well, oddly, uh, I've got some fans that have been um, unexpectedly and delightfully helpful. For example, an imaginary internet cow. Okay. (laughs) Have you been able to translate any of your Twitter following numbers into either professional or financial um, rewards? Like, are you are you using your Twitter account to market your law business, or how are you using your following now that you're not running any, for anything officially? So I am. I'm not using it for marketing my business, and I have never used it for marketing my business. I am. Um, though I will discuss anecdotes here and there, I'm very private about my business because that's not my business to discuss. It's other people's business. Um, I did use it extensively when I ran for office last year. Um, I have had a shocking amount of people ask me if I would run for office again. And I have said that I would be willing to, but I need the support to do so. And to me, that support doesn't necessarily come in giving me money or tapping those campaign funds. To me, the support is being able to focus resources 
on Maine, and that requires a phenomenally large following. If I'm able to get a phenomenally large following, I would consider running. If I'm not, I'm not going to waste anybody's time and resources. So you, so then I guess the gauge of, of whether you're going to run or not is largely dependent on how well you do in attracting Twitter followers to a certain extent? Because well, yeah. you need that for your for your numbers? Yeah, it's social media followers in general, general but I that's the medium I prefer for a few reasons. I think it's got the best personality for that sort of unconventional method, message and that sort of unconventional strategy. Um, I don't care for Facebook at all. I'm, I'm barely there, and I had a really hard time with that campaigning last year because it's just not a medium that I enjoy. Um, and, you know, in, mediums like Instagram are more image-driven. They're more difficult to work with. But also, you know, last year I was in a rural area of the state most of the time, and there's often not good enough data to so upload those images. I, I use my Twitter account, you know, for a certain select purpose as well. I find Twitter is good for certain things and other, you know, as you said, platforms are good good for others. Have you ever paid to expand your Twitter followers? No. Some people um, like load up tweets in advance. You know, there's programs so you can kind of like in the morning just like load up like 10, 10 tweets that will then be programmed to go out throughout the day on a, on a schedule. Do you ever do no. that? So your tweeting is spontaneous? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, as an attorney, you would know this, there are a, a lot of times during the day where I'm waiting. You know, I've got two minutes while I'm waiting for a call. I'm waiting on a conference line for a judge to come on. I'm waiting in a hallway. I'm, I'm waiting on hold. So it, it looks like I'm on Twitter more than I am but just because I have minutes of downtime here and there that I can't get engaged in something that requires me to be very engaged, like drafting a brief, but I've got three minutes to kill. And so that's what you see reflective of a lot of my Twitter is that most of the time I'm waiting for somebody or for something. What is the um, your favorite source of news that you rely on most often? Like, how do you get news? I love NPR. Okay, and NPR I, radio? all the time when I'm driving. So I, I find that it comes in in most of the state, although not melanotic, not get very well. Um, I can get it almost anywhere. It's got some nice continuity to it. Um, it's very soothing. I find that you know every news source has a little bit of a, a bias, but I don't find them to be particularly biased depending on the source and the story. They've got a mix of programs. Um, so I, I get a lot of it driving because I'm in my car a lot. I, I don't work in just Portland. I work all over the state. Um, so I have cases that go from Springvale all the way up to Millinock, and I'm all over. So that is probably the most constant source. I also will check if I have time um, a variety of news sources online. Are you a subscriber to any of the major newspapers, national papers, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, um, New York Times? I used to be to the Washington Post, although I think I might have let my subscription lapse. I took a, a breather after the election and sort of checked out <laughs> a lot of news for a little while, and I haven't re-engaged in, in a meaningful way with a lot of it. You still get several articles for uh, unpaid sources, but um, I imagine I probably will be getting subscriptions again. It just I needed a little bit of a breather. Last year was pretty intense. What about um, cable television? Are you a subscriber to cable television? I do not have cable. Now, um, do you have any aspirations to, um, assuming you don't succeed in your quest to beat Senator Collins? I hope you know. Wish you the best of luck. But assuming that that you come in short on that end, um, are you hoping that? this experience that you're having, campaigning and engaging in the public and being part of the national dialogue and main politics dialogue is going to pivot your career 
away from family law? Like, are you looking beyond the election to like, you know what, I really enjoyed this public policy. So even if I don't win the next election, I, I really want to get down to Washington and work for a, a think tank. Or are you thinking that like your career is, is being altered as you go through this process? That's not my goal. Okay. So I am frustrated with the way the law is going. And I feel like our job and our job interview are very detached. So it's we have this very serious, very all-grown-up job of making federal law. I've heard this. These are your talking points because I've watched the um, debates and I've seen some of the videos. So I've heard this from you. So I just want to jump right to it, which is that you think that um, your skills at reading bills is something that you can offer that's different. That your, 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 you know, just comprehension of the text of a bill, in your view, is a job trait that is of value. Not, I, I mean, yes, but that, that wasn't totally where I was going. I think that until we get the job interview to line up better with the job, we're going to continue to have the dysfunction that we have in D.C. So I don't necessarily feel like I have to be in office. I just want the job done properly. Do if you think Susan Collins is not doing the job properly? I, I think that she is smart and talented and cunning. But I do not like the way she treats her voters, and I do not think that she's voting for bills that benefit the state. Give me an example of of the way she's acted that you feel has not been in Maine's interests or that you dislike. Um, I feel there's a big departure between this. So she postures herself as a moderate, and I don't believe her to be a moderate. If you look at her votes, I think she's a pretty consistently conservative voter on substantive issues. I think she votes on a lot of fluff bills or, or co-sponsors a lot of things that are um, not driving, say, the economy that, that feel good. She took good. some like key votes to preserve the Affordable Care Act and on gun rights. I mean, she's rated as a moderate. I agree that the, the you know, the, the bar keeps moving, uh, the, the goalpost of what's moderate, you know, keeps moving, but she is actually rated by these groups that rate people as moderate. But is there an example, for instance, would you have voted for, would you have voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court? I would not. Okay. What about her, uh, you said earlier you don't like the Republican tax plan, so you... I would not have voted for that, no. Okay. What about, um, is there any other big issue that you see that she's, I mean, she disagrees with you on policy, but do you think she's actually not competent for the job? Um, I don't think that she's lacking competence in the same way. Like, I actually did not find Bruce Poliquin to be a fit lawmaker, and that's why I ran against him. He was saying that Bill said things that they didn't actually say when he promoted them, and I thought that was problematic. Um, I don't think Susan does that. I think that I don't agree with her reasoning. I think she's competent and has seniority, and she's done, uh, she's been very effective at doing what is important to her. I just think that what is important to her versus what is important to Maine don't align, and I don't think that despite whatever rating she has as moderate, that she is a moderate. and the goalpost may have moved, and she may have moved, but I think people who generally consider themselves moderate haven't really moved. And I think that's very disenchanting to a lot of us who are moderates to look at that and say, you know, these things you're, you're voting for, when you're voting for judges that are disqualified, they're rated as not qualified by the ABA, that, that's, that's not a moderate stance. Well, um, a lot of people obviously would disagree with you, um, especially a lot of Republicans. So it sounds like you have, I, if I was to say, are you uh, like le- right of center? Do Depend- you think? It depends on the issue. So fiscally, okay. I'm very efficient and 
I used to say I was fiscally conservative, but I don't think that's a good definition for me um, because I don't have a problem, for example, spending more money um, if it's going to yield better results, or I don't have a problem cutting a program entirely, even if it's a cheap program. And I think that conservatism has moved away from those things. I think that I used to think of those as fiscally conservative policies, but they don't seem to be anymore when you use that label. Um, socially, I am exponentially more liberal because I don't think it's our government's position to be telling us how to live with a lot of those things. So, you know, I sound like somewhere between a libertarian and a Democrat on a lot of those issues. So just to run down the gamut of like the hot button issues, are you um, pro-choice? I don't think the government should make medical decisions, which is more encompassing than pro-choice. Okay. Are you, um, do you support gay marriage? I can't believe in 2019 we asked that question. It's, yes, it's not the government's job to determine who we should marry. What is your position on the Second Amendment? Do you think that we should, as a society, be able to regulate firearms? I am generally for the Second Amendment. However, I think there are people who have lost their ability to show that they are responsible enough to have weapons. Um, and I think that there are definitely some spaces for red flag laws. Um, my children would probably have a grandfather today if there were red flag laws. So, so you support a red flag law. Would you support an assault ban, assault weapon ban, excuse me? You know, it's really going to depend on how it's written because what I've discovered, and if you've spent any time reading federal law, I'm sure you have the same same reaction is that a lot of times the way that things are written in Washington DC and the, the federal law it's not processional like state law so it, it doesn't the concept often, do, you, do you support the concept of, of the banning of certain style of for instance New Zealand I get you know New right. Zealand doesn't have a Second Amendment but they very quickly after that horrific gun tragedy are enacting regulations to ban these assault style weapons in their community do you, as a concept realizing that the technicalities in law might make a difference but right. as a concept do you support that I think there are some weapons that do not belong in society absolutely how we define that I think is what makes it tricky okay but what about the AK-47 what is it the AR-5 15 AR-15 AR-15 yeah um you know I am not a big fan of that weapon but I think that what we need to do to to list what weapons don't belong in society is what we should we should be looking at the data we have, collecting more data, because we have not collected sufficient data on a lot of these, and to see which weapons are really used inappropriately and see if it's the weapons or if there's something else that's a cause as well. So you don't, okay, that to me sounds like you're not right quite, you know, you're just not ready to ban the AR-15. Well, I think that if you just say, I'm banning the AR-15, I don't think you fix the problem. I think there's a lot more weapons that might fall into that bailiwick too. I think it's very arbitrary. So I think- What about the death penalty? Do you Mm -hmm. support, do you, are you a supporter of the death penalty? I have struggled with that one the last few years, and I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I used to- be very in favor of it, but I grew up in Seattle when the Green River Killer was active. And so when you're growing up in an environment like that, you think, yeah, there's probably some people who should have the death penalty. Um, The older I get, the more I realize that, uh, you know, if you have committed a heinous crime, life in prison might actually be a worse punishment. Okay, I agree. (laughs) How has your gender impacted or affected, if at all, your... um political aspirations and the campaign that you ran? Um, I don't know that it impacted my political aspirations so much as it did 
blindside me. I did not think that I was going to be talking about gender much going into a congressional race. That didn't seem like something that was there. I was more concerned with, um, I was more concerned with other factors. And then the the world changed. And and I was what sort of, cha- what are you referring to? Well, so women started talking, right? And we have been talking. During your campaign? Not, not, not well, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Wow. A lot of that, you know, like Kavanaugh hearings were dead smack in the middle of the campaign. Like that was a month before the election. So, so I mean, there was a surreal moment where I was sitting on the debate stage and I was there with three men and I'm watching, you know, Bruce and Jared sort of fight over who Susan Collins likes more and Br- Brett Kavanaugh is literally being sworn in for the third time I don't know why I needed three, but he's being sworn in for the third time. And, you know, it, it, it cuts to a commercial of guys drinking beer. And I'm like, what, what is this world we're in? So um, I was blindsided by the misogyny. I did not realize how bad it still was. And that was something that really um, sort of rocked me and made me reevaluate what a lot of my stances are. That's something that made me really be a lot more vocal about gender issues in a way I had not anticipated doing it. I'm... Family law is very sheltered from misogyny. We have a lot of female magistrates. A lot of the attorneys are women. We're a lot of us are solos, so we don't have anybody we report to to put us in a space where we would feel bad about our gender or inferior because of our gender. And it's been years since I've been in a space where I realized how bad it still was, because I did have a sort of sheltered world. Um, so when I ran for office, I thought, well, you know, I have four degrees and I'm an attorney and. I'm not fancy, but I should at least get equal airtime. Um, and <laughs> there were publications that wouldn't even say my name. Well, that was my, my next question <laughs> is, did you feel that you were treated fairly by the press? No. And did you feel that the reason or one of the reasons for the unfair treatment was because of your gender? Or was it because perhaps that you were one of the candidates that didn't have the numbers to necessarily generate what in their view was like, you know, worthy news? It depended on the um, interaction, but definitely my gender as well. And I did not expect that. That was it was shocking to me. There was, Are you referring to like TV anchors interviewing or reporters or what? What specifically? No, TV you- was more egalitarian. Actually, they they were good about giving everybody sort of their baseline. And you know, here you go. You're in the debates. You're in the. You've got you've got equal airtime for the little candidate profiles. Um, it was really bad in the paper and online publications. There were um, papers that just refused to cover me. There was a, a CNN article that came out that listed the three men. And, I, you know, for a lot of them, I was like, well, you know, they're listing the top two. But then there was one that listed Will, who finished fourth. And I pointed out to CNN, like, you you omitted me. Can you add my name, please? You know, it, it's it would be an accurate article and I did come in third and you've got the fourth place winner there and they just quietly deleted the man you know they deleted Will Will. oh that's interesting (laughs) instead of and they didn't put any note that they'd updated the article and I was like this is come on (laughs) how how is this our world so if I had not been through the experience I would think I was being dramatic talking about the misogyny but it was overwhelming well (laughs) and that's unfortunately going to have to be our last word. But if, if listeners would like to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to uh, You know, I'm easiest that. to find on Twitter. Okay. It's, what's it's your handle? the only place I have a few minutes. Uh, it's at Tiffany Bond, and it's Tiffany like the jewelry store and Bond like James. Well, Tiffany Bond, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for being on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you.